Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, proud to be your host of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. You can get all your show updates there as we continue through this offseason for Duke Men's Hoops. We're navigating the start of the John Shire era, and boy, we've got some great content coming your way over the summer. On today's show, a very good friend of mine, Terrence Oglesby. He's a basketball analyst with the Field of 68 Network. We've heard his stories before. The former Clemson Tigers standout who had many run-ins with the Duke Blue Devils throughout his playing career. T.O. is back with us. Terrence, the time is always greatly appreciated. What's going on, my man? Uh, man, not a whole lot. I'm visiting uh, some family. I'm trying to make sure that my headphones work okay for you, but I'm visiting <laughs> some family in Sweden, and uh, it's been nice because – my wife is actually of Swedish descent. She lives. She's from a town just north of Gothenburg by about 45 minutes. And we haven't had the chance to really uh, see family since the beginning of the pandemic. So it's been difficult, uh, but it's good for her to be able to come back. So uh, I get to come along for the journey for about a month. And then uh, right back to it, a month of July, I'll be right back on the recruiting scene. I'm going to go to Adidas in Rock Hill the first week. I'm going to try to squeeze in an Under Armour tournament there too. And then make my way down to Peach Jam as well. So a busy July leading into uh, an August where you kind of, that's when you can start gearing up for the season, right? And there's a lot of movement right now. So it's really hard to pin down who's going to be really good right now because kids, I know there's a transfer deadline, uh, JJ, but it it doesn't really matter. If these guys still want to leave, they can leave pretty much uh, whenever they want. It's not like the NCAA is going to do anything about it. Uh, So I think that's a big part too. But uh, it's been a fun summer so far, a lot of movement and uh, a lot of things where uh, young guys in the business uh, on the coaching side have been able to move up. And John being one of those guys, I'm absolutely thrilled for him. Uh, And a lot of other young coaches in the profession are starting to get jobs and it's starting to flip a little bit to where guys are getting these different opportunities. So it's been an eventful off season, not quite as eventful as last year, but uh, with the transfer portal, it always seems like there's something going on. So we've talked plenty about your playing days for the Clemson Tigers and playing in the ACC in the basketball league that it is. I actually want to start in a different direction, however, because you mentioned the busy month of July that you've got with all the recruiting that's taking place and watching the future stars of the college basketball game. Once August comes, that also marks the start of fall camp and the academic yep. semester. And then all of a sudden we'll be playing football games on Saturday in the fall. Duke's got a brand new head coach, Mike Elko, who's coming over from Texas A&M to try and rejuvenate that program. But playing for Clemson and being there sort of at the turn and as the Dabo Sweeney era took off a little bit prior uh, to the program that it's turned into be, just what is it like to be a basketball player at almost a, a football-dominated school like Clemson's been known to be. Well, you you always kind of realized that you were going to be second fiddle. Yeah. I, I think that was one thing, which was uh, it was it, it's okay, and I knew that going in. And I'm from the state of Tennessee, so football's king, no matter where sure. you go. But at the same time, uh, we were rolling at that point. And that was right when everything started to turn a little bit, uh, and that's when Dabo got the job. 
my freshman season and the energy difference, uh, the energy that Dabo generated, it was starting to move up and pick up steam and guys were starting to commit and you were starting to get a lot of these five-star players. So that was, that was really cool to kind of be a part of and watch. Now, uh, as far as being, uh, you still enjoy all those things. You go to the football games, you enjoy the tailgates when you can, because a lot of times you have, uh, visitors coming in on campus and things like that and jj i'll be honest i was always the guy that, that coaches stuck with the with the recruits so i didn't get to enjoy it as much but um at the same time it's an exciting time because you know school's kind of getting back in the flow uh you, you know you haven't started taking your test yet and all that stuff and it feels real i, I think that's a big portion of it it feels like hey I'm at school now because you go through summer, summer school and you're taking six hours and it's really not that big of a deal. Once you get to campus and the students are there and the general student body is there, that's when things uh, tend to turn up a little bit and the excitement begins. Right. So uh, especially if you're at a place like Duke, I'd imagine, you know, I don't know, but I, I would imagine that the players are absolutely amped to be in front of people, to be around other students, to be uh among among Jim Pop, if you will, around the civilians, as we used to call it, because that's what you go to school for. I mean, it's it, it is the basketball piece, uh, but the general population, uh, you know, the classes and all that stuff, that's a big part of it, too. And that's an experience that I'm really happy that a lot of student athletes uh, as talented as the ones that do get are able to experience that at least for a year. And, T.O., we talk about football season being right around the corner. And in the ACC and the work that we do with our Locked on ACC podcast last year was uh, certainly interesting because all of a sudden Clemson football is not competing for an ACC title, and yet they still walk away with the 10-win season. I was about about to point that out. You know, they still walk away with the 10-win season. Uh, And I would imagine that going into the season, Clemson still – going to be another dominant force in the ACC on the football field. Come on, baby. This is, this is easy work. This yeah. is easy work. Now, Uyangalale, uh, we'll see how that progresses. I think he takes yeah. entirely too long to get rid of the football, uh, and I feel like he has a pitcher's release, not a quarterback's release. So we'll see how that goes. I'm excited to see Cade Klubnik, though, number one yes. ranked quarterback in the country from the state of Texas. Uh, a lot of people are comparing him to Deshaun Watson, uh, college Deshaun Watson before all the nonsense. But right. I digress. Uh, yeah. A kid who can really move, who can really throw the football. So I'm excited to see how he does. Clemson's always going to have weapons around the perimeter with their wide receivers and, uh, uh, you know, different weapons as far as that's concerned. So I'm excited about it. My family, uh, my son in particular, loves to go to football games. So uh, we'll be up there in the nosebleed section for, I would say, at least two or three of them. Yeah. Well, Terrence, you probably didn't expect to talk this much football. You're like, what the hell, JJ? Didn't know this was no, on baby. the radar. but. You can talk it. You can talk all things. That's why you're so great. So we look at this past college basketball season, and we spoke uh, throughout the year certainly. But I remember going into the year, it was really when the field of 68 uh, was taking off, and you were telling me uh, both on the podcast and then just in the conversations that we had how excited you were for this upcoming season. But did you really know how big the field of 68 would turn out to be? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I thought when I uh, talked to you, I explained it. I explained it. Explained it. Explained it. <laughs> I explained it pretty well because it, you know what? Here's the deal. Uh, Sean and Archie Miller, they're going to sell, and they're they're very entertaining characters. Uh, Steve Prome is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. Grant, Randolph Childress, for guys like you and me who 
appreciate the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That's somebody like I'm going to tune into right away. And then you got little old me who they can't get to shut up. So <laughs> you got a pretty good roster of guys. Uh, John Fanta also being a huge part that the product that Jeff and Rob have been able to put together. Uh, has without a doubt been one of the most impressive things as far as the college basketball media landscape has been concerned over the past 10 to 15 years. And I, and I say that without uh, a slight hesitation because the access that we have, the fact that we are able to get coaches right after wins, uh, get players right after dynamic performances. I had the opportunity to, to interview Scott Drew, uh, Greg McDermott. We had Johnny Davis after a massive performance. Uh uh, Matt Painter came on like it's it, it has been a truly remarkable experience and something I'm you know really appreciative to be a part of and I've just been able to grow and, and be able to talk to all these coaches and establish some relationships you know one of the guys some of the guys that I've had a lot of respect for for a long time you know Brad Underwood for example Bruce Pearl uh, Eric Musselman I got to see these guys in person uh, at the final four and, you know, we chop it up. They come on the show. And we have a great time. Uh, not to mention Ed Cooley, who's one of my favorite human beings in basketball, uh, <laughs> got to have him on. So hopefully we can get my man, big John on a little bit more often. We got coach K on cause we didn't get coach K on. Cause I'm not <laughs> sure how keen he was on doing a ton of media work, but, uh, I, I'm really excited, uh, moving forward about the field of 68. It's, it's something that has, um, I'm not going to say catapulted because I still feel like sometimes I'm sitting in place, but it's something that um, I am so excited to be a part of just for the opportunity to be around uh, basketball minded people uh, that really care for the game, that can really bring a different element uh, of the product that is basketball specific. And we don't get too caught up in the nonsense. And uh, we have we have you know pretty good camaraderie about us, especially you know I've worked with John Fanta and Rob Doster for a good amount of time, and these guys really love the game, and yeah. we really get along well, and it has turned out to be uh, a lot a lot of fun. All right, here we are. We're talking about the field of '68, and my guest Terrence Oglesby uh, is always kind with this time. The former Clemson basketball player and now turn analyst and commentator in the media space. I want to talk a little bit about the Duke men's basketball team. We'll get to that. We'll take one quick break, and we'll do that coming up right here on Locked on Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's NBA Finals, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and, of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back in to Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Terrence Oglesby. Uh, so, Terrence, I want to talk about the basketball side of things. I mentioned our conversations in the middle of the year uh, where Duke stood at that time. At one point, Duke was the number one team in the land, uh, had some struggles, ultimately walk away with the regular season title, lost the final game of the regular season in Cameron to North Carolina, lost the ACC tournament championship to Virginia Tech, and then they made the run all the way to the final four. What was the biggest difference that you saw from those first four games in the NCAA tournament from Duke this past season for them to ultimately get to the final four while having in mind the pressure that these players must have felt knowing that, uh, Hey, this is coach K's 
last dance. They called it the last dance all season long. But once the yeah. tournament starts, that really is your last dance. You know what? I thought the players handled it incredibly well. And I thought that one team just played better than the other in the Final Four game against North, North Carolina. And if, you know, Duke had one more possession or one more possession, what have you, it could have swung the other way. But, uh, I mean, what a remarkable run to end on a Final Four run, to end up in New Orleans. Like a lot of people thought they could, but it's so difficult when you have such a young team in order to kind of keep that going. Uh, it was a team that was just offensively gifted. And I love the way they put things together. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, like I've been pleading my case with people time after time, he's my first pick in the draft because offensively he just does so many different things well. And while he can be a ball mover, while his jump shot will transfer to the NBA, especially once he starts getting a lot more reps in, because that shot's not broken, he's going to be able to make more than 34% like he did in college. He's going to be able to, he's going to be able to up that number by three or four points. But here's the thing offensively they just overwhelm people and once you get out of conference to where you're not scouted by the same guys every single game and there it changes the dynamic a little bit and that's when in the ncaa tournament talent can overwhelm teams and that's what happened with duke heading all the way in to the semifinal game at the final four and then they just run into a buzzsaw and carolina is just knocking down shots caleb love has turned into a different animal and armando baycott uh is who we thought he was. I was hating on him a little bit, but this guy was terrific, especially against, uh, you know, a superior size and Mark Williams, who was able to get him in foul trouble. And then you could kind of see what happened then. Uh, when they finally got to the Final Four game, I just felt like because Mark Williams got in so much foul trouble, that really hampered what they could do. Theo John was good at what he was, but he was an 8 to 10 to 12-minute guy at most. And whenever he was relied on more than that, it made it really difficult. And uh, I'm interested to see how it goes moving forward. I love what John's been able to do uh, as far as bringing in some different guys. They're extremely talented. Again, these young players, uh, Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead, some of these other guys, <laughs> like they don't, they, they just reload. They just okay. reload. And I love what they've been able to do in a transfer portal too. Not getting some of these superstars that a lot of people are recruiting. They're getting guys that value education. They're getting guys that value being part of a team to kind of establish your, your Duke culture at a time where culture is no longer at a precedent because of all these transfers. So I, I, I really like what John, his thought process and how he's approaching things. Well, let's certainly talk about some of the newbies and the newcomers on this team. And, and the coaching staff has finally been put together and that sort of thing. It is a, a very much different era of Dukeman's basketball. But I want to start with the player we saw last year and in the NCAA tournament run. Jeremy Roach at that point guard spot turned it on, took it to a whole nother level. What does next season look like possibly for him? And, and ultimately, why was he able to play so much better there at the end of the year? Well, the floor opened up and they put the ball in his hands. Wendell Moore was kind of, I'm not going to say he was in the way because he was very good at what he did, but Jeremy Roach needs the ball in his hands because yeah. he is so quick with that basketball, JJ. He's able to get into the lane. He's a good decision maker, and he started to find himself towards the back half of the year. He's somebody that needs to shoot better than, th what was it, 33% or 30, 32, 33%? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. If he shoots better than that next season, he's going to be a problem because the ball is going to be in his hands a little bit more. He's going to have playmakers around him with Filipowski and, and Derek Whitehead, and they're big-time athletes once again. Derek Lively, I think guys are really going to enjoy watching him play. He is DeAndre Jordan with a jump shot with some offensive skill set. He's got that kind of bounce, but he's got a feathery soft touch from beyond the arc. I really like the way that young man plays. He's certainly a one-and-done because he just fits the mold of today's modern big, somebody who can step out and knock down threes, 
and somebody who can be a lob threat, a vertical spacer, and him playing beside Jeremy Roach, it's going to be a heck of a one-two punch uh, in pick-and-roll situations if that's what John decides to do within the offense. Because, hey, J.J., we still don't know. We still don't know what John's going to do. He's certainly going to have the talent. And there's one thing that is the best crutch in basketball, and that's having superior talent. Duke certainly will have that next season. (laughs) That's a good problem to have. And you mentioned the talent and the freshmen coming in for the Blue Devils. We've talked lively. Whitehead is great playing at the school that he was able to play at against the competition uh, for the number of years. Certainly helps Filipowski, the stretch big that he could be and how long he is. Uh, And then you've also got a couple of freshmen coming in. Jaden Shute, another athletic wing from Illinois. Uh, Mark Mitchell is a lefty that we're certainly excited to see what he can become. And then all of a sudden last week, Duke gets Tyrese Proctor, the Australian uh, five-star from the 2023 class to reclassify and join the team going into next season. Just adding more versatility at that guard spot's got to be big going into John Shire's first year. That's going to be interesting. These Australian point guards, I don't know when Australia became a point guard factory, but it's happened here <laughs> lately. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm serious. The kid, yeah. uh, Josh Giddy, that was that was drafted by the Thunder, right. and then Dyson Daniels is going to be a top 10 to 12 pick, and then you have – uh, Proctor coming over as well. He's got good size, and he's going to be able to evaluate. He might be able to slow it down a little bit, give you a secondary ball handler. And these Australian guys, they played at a different pace. And I think it's going to be a nice change of pace from the super speedy Jeremy Roach to Proctor if he fits the bill of a typical Australian point guard. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched a ton of Proctor film. I will, yeah. but I haven't gotten there yet. But it, this is going to be uh, an, another super talented team. And Australia, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, when it comes to big point guards, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, how tall is Proctor? He's 6'6", six, 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 I believe. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, he's right. another big point guard that can evaluate and see over the defense. Just another guy uh, who's going to be able to bring that change of pace and, and you know play maybe a little bit slower than Jeremy Roach yep. because everybody plays a little bit slower than Jeremy Roach. But um, I, I think it's going to be a nice uh, ying to Roach's yang. Let me uh, let me make a correction. 6'4", 170 is what Proctor big is point guard. Big, big college, at, yeah. still big combo guard and, and does well with the ball in his hands and that sort of thing. Yeah, so, big point guard. Sorry, I, I should probably know that considering, but it's beginning of June. Beginning of June. This, exactly. And this is the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. I should have gotten right. that right on my first try, and uh, I certainly didn't. So, uh, all right, Tio, let's take one final break here on Lockdown Blue Devils, and then we'll wrap up the show right after this. Terrence Oglesby is joining us. Here today on Locked On Blue Devils and with the Locked On Podcast Network, we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On Podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. It's so awesome. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, final few moments here of Locked On Blue Devils today. J.J. Jackson alongside Terrence Oglesby. All right, so, T.O., we look at the Duke team going into next season. Nolan Smith leaves the brotherhood. He goes up to Louisville, still in the ACC, joining Kenny Payne's staff. And so now John Shire not only has to replace Nolan Smith, but he's got to replace himself, too, because Coach K is no longer – on his bench. His coaching staff comes together. He goes to Kentucky and takes away Jai Lucas over there. Uh, And and, and Emil Jefferson's elevated to a coaching role. What did you think of his staff and the moves that he was able to make there? 
Well, I, first of all, I love Jay Lucas. I've known him. We, we graduated in the same high school class. He was always a real cerebral player. He's super likable. Uh, that's another thing. He's known as a superstar in the industry. He's going to be able to recruit uh, Duke the same way that Duke's ever recruited. And I think Duke is still done for like <laughs> for the next two classes with the top players in the country. But he's going to be able to hold up uh, that end of the bargain. He's good on the floor. He comes from a basketball pedigree. His dad, John Lucas, is one of the most respected individual trainers in the country, has worked with the Rockets. I used to fly down there during the summers whenever I was playing in Houston to work out with his dad. No, and he, he's a guy who is born and bred a basketball guy. So I thought that was an excellent win. Emil Jefferson, I played against him, uh, seemed like a Duke guy. I don't know him as well personally as I know some of the other Dukies, but uh, it just kind of fits the bill. Uh, Mike Schrage, uh, bringing a Shragi, whatever. Yes, Shragi. I need to work on on my uh, syllables. Shragi. No, that was a good hire to bring in a former head coach to be on staff with you. You needed an older presence uh, there with you to kind of not keep you in check, but at least somebody to lean on when it comes to making executive decisions. And then uh, this this hire of um, Rachel Baker is a really interesting one. Uh, I I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. I think uh, that's something that moving forward is going to be a big part of the plan because now in college basketball, there's just so many moving parts. It's going to be impossible for head coaches to be able to deal with all this stuff on their own, JJ. And bringing her into the fold, who's super well-connected. Now, I don't know her personally, but I've I've talked to people around uh, the Duke program. He's somebody that is, or she's somebody that is super well-connected. She's worked at Nike. She's worked in the NBA. She's going to help manage some of these ancillary factors around uh, the game to where uh, John Shire is going to be, you know, his hands are going to be cut loose to where he can work, work on basketball and building his team for the year and doing all the things that are basketball related. Now she's going to be, uh, you know, managing all those other factors. And I think that's a good thing. And I think moving forward, you're going to see that happen a lot more, uh, in college athletics. Not to go the elitist direction that it can go from time to time, but it, I mean, it just does feel like, under Coach K's vision and the Duke basketball brand and programming, they've always kind of been trailblazers and so forward thinking. And you're mentioning Rachel Baker. I talked about it briefly on yesterday's show, but again, the general manager of Duke basketball and people are, as you were just talking about, what does that mean? What is that going to look like? And I'm glad that you discussed it a little bit more. You talked about how in July, you personally are going to be at a lot of these basketball camps and just big tournaments and events. And at Nike, to our understanding, Rachel Baker was the one kind of pulling the strings and making the magic happen, so to speak. And now she's representing Duke with all those connections. Yeah, and it helps. It certainly helps. And basketball, when it comes to recruiting at a high level, is a big-time relationship game. And just to have one more person in the mix that knows all these coaches, that knows all these AAU teams, that, know, that knows all these uh, you know family members of these big-time prospects, I think it's going to help things. And just, uh, you know, it's – She's going to, what did they say the other day? She, she's going to help players with their skill sets, strategic partnerships. What else yep. did they say? Navigate NIL being student athletes. And, yeah. NIL opportunities, which to my knowledge, I'm not real. Nobody knows the rules right now. JJ, <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody. So yeah. I guess she can help them navigate that stuff, which I think that's going to be interesting in and of itself. Is she going to be employed by uh, Duke, men's uh, basketball, or, and the athletic facility? Is she going to be employed by, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is, is now she's going to handle all this stuff. And it's I I think it's the direction that a lot of teams 
have thought about heading towards. It was just a matter of, hey, Duke, uh, basketball takes precedent and being able to hire a general manager in that position to be able to handle all those things frees up John one and two. Uh, it, it allows coaches to be coaches and then uh, all this NIL stuff to be handled by somebody that's not necessarily needing to be on the floor all the time. So for the most part, the Stuke roster looks to be pretty sad. I know people were really wondering what Trevor Keels would ultimately decide. He keeps his name in the draft and uh, we'll find out here in a few weeks where the five Duke Blue Devils are drafted and selected as their career starts. But going into next season, now that Proctor has reclassified, the team is put together. I mean, what, what, how should John Shire feel about year one? I mean, Hubert Davis across town, we talked the Tar Heels a good bit. He takes the, uh, the heels to the title game in his first season. I mean, what are, what are expectations, would you believe, for Shire going into this first year? I mean, they're going to be projected as number one or number two in the ACC. They're going to be projected certainly in the top seven or eight, nine, ten teams in the country. And for good reason. I mean, this is a really talented roster. I think Jeremy Roach is going to take a big step. Um, You started to see what he was doing uh, towards the end of last season, kind of what he was good at, how his quickness level was back. He was getting where he wanted, when he wanted. He's somebody that's going to be able to take that step. And if he has a great year, Duke can have a great year because those freshmen are going to need a little bit of leadership. And obviously they're super talented, but sometimes freshmen are still going to be freshmen. you got to tell them where to be, when to be there. And having that court presence with Jeremy Roach, I'm not going to say this Duke team goes as Jeremy Roach goes, but I think he's a huge piece. And uh, I think it's a, it's a bunch of guys that rely a lot more uh, on ball movement than last year's team. Uh, Derek Lively needs that ball to move to find open spots. Uh, with Filipowski, he's a good player, but like he's good, he, he's somebody who reads the game well. He has actually he has excellent court vision. He, he's a good player. I mean, they're, they're all good players, but I think there's a lot more guys, uh, that that ball needs to move a little more. And I think as a result, you're going to see a prettier, uh, type of basketball, not not as many isolations like you had with Bankero, which is what they should have done because yeah. Bankero is that good. Uh, but it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun product to watch, and they're just going to be as talented as they've always been. T.O., the time is always greatly appreciated. This has been an absolute blast. Always enjoy our conversations going back and forth. You're on Twitter at T underscore Oglesby22. We're trying to get the verified check back. I mean, you change the right handle. There. Yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, there <laughs> it is. It's a podcast. Uh, go follow him there. Uh, support his work there with the Field of 68. Do me a favor, though, T.O., and give one more plug for the Field of 68 and everything that you guys have going on over there. As we go into the summer, some college basketball junkies are like, wait, are people going to even care about college? I promise you the Field of 68 cares about college basketball 365 days a year. We still got it going. We got draft previews going on right now. We're talking about transfers. We've had coaching carousel changes. We call it goes after the carousel. It's a coaching series with all the <laughs> new coaches in college basketball. So it's 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 still been busy. We're still keeping it rolling. Field to sixty eight, uh, where you get all your college basketball needs. I know Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. That's good stuff. You do all the sports. We focus on one, and that's yes. college basketball. So make sure you tune in. We have content streaming all year long. Draft coverage, transfers, coaching changes. We talk to everybody in Division One college basketball who got promoted or got a new got a new job, who were able to move on forward, and then we get to hear what their plans are. So uh, big-time stuff going on over there. It's just going to continue to grow and get better. 
That's awesome. I always appreciate the time, Terrence. We'll do this again soon, okay? All right. Thank you so much, JJ. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Terrence Oglesby joining us here today on Locked On Blue Devils. And that wraps up this Thursday edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Thanks again to Terrence for joining me on the program. Go and support the Field of 68. They are always doing awesome things over there. I can't wait for this upcoming Duke basketball season. We're a ways away, of course, but hearing other people's perspective on what John Shire is building is certainly awesome, and we're all smarter for it. So that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Blue Devils. As always, go Duke. We'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.